Hello and welcome to Stable Discussion. Um, yeah. It's a nice warm day in Toronto, surprisingly. Surprisingly uh, warm. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. I took my dog out today uh, and it was a little bit wet, but it was worth it. It was not, it was wonderful. Great weather. <laughs> and we took we gave him a bath afterwards. We had no choice. That was, yeah. that was, that was my, you know, we knew what we were getting into. It was worth it. He's happy. <laughs> Reintroduction for those of us who may not have heard us from the first podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah, I'm Ben, Ben Hofferberg. Uh, I do technical directing, technical direction, software stuff. Uh, I've been a consultant for a while, talking to a yeah. lot of big companies about usually websites, but um, AI is something close and dear to our hearts. Yeah, yeah. Um, my name is Della. I am a solutions architect. Um, it's like technical directing, but I don't do as much meetings. Um, I do more of the coding, which is nice. That's That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, me and Ben have been talking about AI for a couple of years. It's been a topic near and dear to both our hearts. And, you know, as the world has become more um, intertwined with AI, especially in the recent few, what it feels like weeks or months, um, it's becoming more and more, uh, I think, relevant to uh, a podcast format. So we started a great podcast. And I, I think we're doing good so far. We've had one <laughs> under our belt, and this is our second. Yeah. That's you know more commitment than I have for most things in my life. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean absolutely. I, I, one thing we're doing is we're just we're just publishing, you know. Yeah. Um, pushing it out, uh, letting it be natural, not really trying to focus too much on everything being perfect. Absolutely, uh, and we'll this do some pickups as we go. Consulting one on one, you know, you need to get things out there and get some feedback and iterate. Yeah, exactly. And we're and we're seeing iteration happen live in in the real world today uh, <laughs> with search. Um, absolutely. Google, yeah, Google's been been on top forever. Everyone uses Google Search. Google and Search are practically a synonym. Yeah, um, you Google things. You Google things, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is the vehicle of search. And now we see a, a contender um, in this stalwart, this like um, ancient company coming out of the mark, Microsoft, <laughs> out of nowhere with their Bing Search. Do you remember when they were trying to do Bing Search in all those TV shows? And they do so much product Ooh. placement. I remember they, mm-hmm. someone was, I think it was Arrow. Uh, it was like the, that that um, CW show, I could, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but like, they'd be like, I'm going to, let me Bing that for you. And they'd open up those <laughs> laptop and they'd type in there and it'd be a Bing dashboard. It was completely <laughs> unnecessary. Um, yeah. yeah. I think they may have had that on Chuck too, or something like that. I remember Chuck yeah. had like abusive use of just tech <laughs> things. Cause it was like a best buy practically. Yeah, uh, ex- exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I, that got them 5% market share um, overall. That's, Hey, search is a big thing. Nothing to sneeze at, but yeah. uh, you know, Google has ninety percent, and then yeah. there's and, that, the rest have five. And I will say, like Bing does actually have very good image search. That is the one thing that Bing actually has under its belt. I remember when I was in design school, it was like, oh, actually, if you want images, that's the way to kind of like search for stuff. Yeah, um, they they really try to find their niches that they can, you know, like, and of course for any incumbent um, versus any, you know, like new guy versus, you know, like the established technical norms that exist inside of a, any um, new or sorry, old uh, technical battleground, you have to find a niche. You have to find something that mm-hmm. is strictly yours. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that Bing is trying right now really hard with AI. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll get to that. But I think before we get that far, we want to talk about like, you know, something, some precursors. So, you know, a lot of our listeners, um, <laughs> all, all, 10 million of you, um, probably, um, I haven't heard too much about ChatGPT. Um, so we want to kind of talk about that first and, and kind of get everyone, um, 
up to speed um, or mm-hmm. give them some, some general background or, you know, let's not assume any knowledge. Let's not assume yeah, any, cause, any understanding. Because ChatGPT and search have a lot to do with each other. The, all yeah. the announcements this week, all the things that are happening with Bing, uh, Google Bard, these things are all very conflated. Um, it's a mess of AI-related topics just kind of spattering out the news feeds. Um, and so let's let's try and make sense of it. Yeah, so so let's talk about November of last year, November 2022. I think it was, it was either October or November. I can't remember. It was one of those months, the end of one of them, I think. Um, we we saw ChatGPT come out, and it was kind of a, a sleeper at first. It wasn't like a it wasn't a, a big deal to some people because um, language models. So I'll, I'll use this term a lot, um, and I'll use the term actually large language model or LLM for short a lot um, in our podcast. Uh, and I'm sure all of you will hear more and more about the, about these topics and terms soon. Um, so these things are really interesting, uh, and they've been around for. A, a good while, a few years, like five, six years um, in, well, they've been around for longer than that, but they've been around for that long utilizing um, a technique uh, based off of transformers, which I mentioned in the previous um, podcast. So um, the nature of these these cool AI models is that they're basically just jam-packed. Like just imagine like the entirety of the internet um, uh, filtered out the people who build who build these the models try to remove all the gross things uh on the internet and there's plenty of those uh and just yeah, put in like wikipedia put in like nice books put in like you know really good discussions research articles that kind of stuff just smush it right in through this giant sort of like blender that um is a smart blender um and at the other end pops out a model that's been trained on uh like ugh, terabytes um of, of data, of, of just text too. If we know anything about data, text is the smallest kind of data, it feels like. You can't get much smaller than text in terms of how we interact with things. Pictures are much bigger, um, video is much bigger, and you know, like the, it scales depending on what you're you're doing with, but you know, text is the, the, the brass tacks. And yeah, it was fed with so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I remember uh, when I was working for a finance company, the way they dealt with numbers, like the decimal points mattered so much to that company, like, cause I don't know, it's money. Like everyone cares yeah. like how much money th- things are, but like to NASA, NASA only cares about some number of decimal points out, but like, you know, finance cares more. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was like cosmically the amount of data that there is, is actually quite small, <laughs> but when it comes to finance, everyone wants to know where their money is. Every and, decimal, uh, every, every decimal matters. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, the context matters a lot for, for, for what kind of data you're pulling in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so they're they're building these uh, these models, and they've been building them for a while, and they're beginning bigger. This is the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I'll, this there's a concept of models having something called parameters. Um, P A R A M E T E R S parameters. Um, I don't know. I'm spelling like a spelling bee. Um, whatever. Uh, so parameters um, are often, and I'd say this is maybe unfairly and incorrectly um, compared to, but it's useful for the sort of brain metaphor. Um, um, if you think of, if you think of uh, an AI model like ChatGPT or any other thing like that as a brain, and don't do that too much. Don't really get into that. It's it's much different in a lot of really important ways. But for the sake of like nuance and comparison, let's say we'll use that example. Um, then a parameter is often sort of like the the facsimile of a, a neuron. Um, and if we if we know we have like uh, or like maybe a synapse in, in a neuron. You know, we have something like 80 billion neurons in the human brain, 
and like some trillion synapses, I can't remember what it is, but a huge number which are the connections for each neuron to other neurons mm-hmm. um, in the brain. So a lot of, a lot of like wires, a lot of nodes. Um, and that's a similar kind of relationship ish that you see in, um, in parameters and they've been getting increasingly bigger uh, over the last few years. Uh, I, I won't go through the whole history. We did that a little bit more last episode, but let's just say it went from like a couple hundred million to a few billion to um, something like GBT3, which is what ChatGPT was inher- inherited you know, from uh, 100 and, 130 or 180 billion, which is, you know, 150, let's say, to split the difference, billion parameters. Um, and then you're going up into something like um, Palm, which is Google's language model. That's the biggest one. It's probably the biggest dense model that we know about. And something being dense means that it's, it's, it's not a lot of small models that are hooked together. It's just one big honk of, of a brain. Mm-hmm. That one was 500 and some odd billion um, parameters. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are working on bigger. Yeah. And it, let me get it right. So like parameters are kind of like sockets, right? It's like how many inputs you've got for like things to kind of like look out for. Kind of, kind of, kind of. Let me, let me, uh, it's actually a really fascinating thing. And I can go into the technical um, aspect of this because there's a really great paper that talks a bit about the importance of this. You'll hear it a lot in, in technical circles as the chinchilla paper out of DeepMind. DeepMind being the subsidiary of Google, who's all AI. They're the people who did the Go um, AI, who did the mm-hmm. StarCraft, who did, um, um, what's it called? The um, protein folding, um, mm. AlphaFold, um, and Atari before that. They do a lot of really, really interesting stuff, and they're really trying. Uh, I'd recommend anybody curious, follow Demisa Sebas, who's the CEO of the company, on Twitter mm-hmm. or wherever. Listen to him talk. He's a genius. He also made... Um, one of the best um, games of all time, um, Black and White. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, before that, he, he, he used to be game dev at Lionhead Studios. He's British, so mm-hmm. that makes sense. Worked with Peter mm-hmm. Molyneux um, for the, the, the nerd tech heads. That's pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, long story short, he's a smart guy who talks about this AI stuff, and he worked a lot on, on AI. And out of his company, Chinchilla came out, and that paper talks mostly about how you want to balance the amount of data coming in with the amount of parameters you create. So a parameter is more like a weight um, in a brain. You know how brains have synapses where, um, you know, we, again, very much simplification, but there's like um, a, a strength to a, a pathway to help often in your brain, where um, when a pathway is run over and over again and it's successful and you get a dopamine hit, it's like, cool, this is the right thing to do. Um, let's strengthen that pathway. Um, right. yeah. So Me uh, hitting snooze on my alarm every morning. Yeah, that pathway. Got it. <laughs> You're like happy about it. And then it's like, yeah, that's the right thing to do. That's the right action. All the parameters <laughs> about that are, are happy. New ones are being yeah. formed. They're just like, yeah, good job. Um, good job. So yeah. same same, same idea, essentially, with um, parameters <laughs> instead of a, a brain. Um, they're, sorry, instead of a, a model. See, I'm already confused. Um, uh, they're, they're often like the, the results of all that smushing of data down. Um, mm-hmm. You want to have that be sort of, um, let's say, uh, they want to see that that data being being passed into this model and have a result of that um, changing the internal weights and balances of of a brain of the digital brain, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, balancing it out has been a, a thing that we haven't done right apparently, and maybe the next generation of models will have that done a bit better. Uh, but for now, uh, the the sizing of them is often bigger. Five hundred billion parameters is probably bigger than it needs to be with the data passed in. Probably could be more like. 200 billion with the amount of data that was used to be the most more optimal. And that impacts a lot of different things. Regardless, 
we'll see, we'll still see them go up higher. We'll see a trillion probably within a year of a dense model or, or more yeah. potentially. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what that can do because now back to language models and large language models, mm-hmm. what people have noticed that's really interesting is that the bigger they get, the more emergent properties come out of them. So, mm. uh, like something like, um, oh, it's an example, oh, simple example. Um, Google does, shows us often with their, with Palm, um, which is their, I mentioned the 500 billion parameter model, um, in smaller models, um, it had a lot of trouble understanding a joke. You, you make a joke, mm. you're like, can you understand what this is? And by saying, making a joke, understanding what it is, it's like literally imagine you have a little chat window, you mm. paste in it, uh, some text and it like reads it, quote unquote, reads it mm. and responds. Um, and if it, if it was smaller, it's joke understanding ability was almost nil, but mm. just increasing the size, they show that it gets better and better at that. Um, which is interesting, fascinating, scary, cool, all those words, because it means that there are many emergent things that are coming out of these models from strictly making them bigger, which incentivizes people to just make bigger models and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, functionality and ability come out of that. Mind you, that's not all that matters. Um, there's tons of other ways you can improve these models. Instruction tuning something that they've done recently. I won't talk about too much, but that's a big part of why ChatGPT is so good. It's essentially just teaching them to um, follow instructions better and understand what people really want. And and that is very relevant to ChatGPT because this one, this one probably had the best instruction tuning of any model we've seen so far. They mm-hmm. tossed it into a chatbot, and now you can talk to it and ask it to do things for you. So Ben, you use ChatGPT. Let me t- yeah. let me let me hear your experience jumping in, using it, and what you kind of first felt, what you what what the first thoughts you had were of it, and sort of like what it means to you. Yeah, I think the first the first uh, exposure I think I ever had to like GPT in general um, was the, the dungeon game. I think that you showed me mm-hmm. where it was like, you were playing a text adventure, but the adventure was getting created for you. Um, so that was, that was the first usage I ever saw of it, which was uh, really crazy. But um, when I was using chat GPT, uh, that was interesting. The, uh, there were a couple things I remember, I remember trying uh, one was just saying, you know, Hey, something very Googleable, like, Hey, can I, you know, what should I bring to a party? Right. Like, what are the things that might make sense for me to bring? I I talked about this last time, but Mm -hmm. um, the thing that was intriguing about this was as I thought about more things about that list, I could kind of add them. So my first, you know, question to it was, hey, what should I bring to a party? But then I, once I saw the things in the list, I was like, okay, like, these are great things to bring, but you don't know that my friend, you know, they're outdoors people, right? They are young. They don't really like you know, expensive things. Um, they like practical things. Right. And so I could kind of feed it those queries and it would be able to then kind of take that additional, um, understanding, um, and be able to use that to better hone kind of what it was giving me. Um, and I could ask it to like format the output, you know, put it in a table, uh, tell me like line items, like how much I should expect to spend on different things. Um, I could even kind of tell it like, Hey, I'm not okay to spend this much. And like, mind you, like, I think, when I looked at it, it's sort of like estimates or it might do some, some weird things that are maybe wrong, but it was quite helpful uh, in the same way that uh, I would think of like a personal assistant or somebody that, that like knows me. Um, if, if I could just give like chat GPT a profile of a person I know and like recent items that they already have and have it output great gift ideas, that would be brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I feel like for to do that successfully, that model would have to have access to like 
the internet or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, be able to query the internet, a search, mm-hmm. something like that. ChatGPT does not have that power, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but that's not a a hard and fast rule, as we know we talk about later with Bing. <laughs> Absolutely. The the thing I find I find very interesting now is like you know how bad recommendation systems are on like Amazon. Mm-hmm. This does make me think that there is hope. Because if you were able to actually tell it, hey, I already bought these products. Please do not tell me I should buy another knife or another yeah. hairdryer or another, you know, <laughs> item that I'm going to have for four years, you know. Don't, like, you want, uh, don't you want like 12 other knives? If you have one knife, you want... <laughs> I saw a really funny video once about like, uh, it's, a, it's a guy, it's a YouTuber who does like videos about like um, pitch yeah. meetings. He, that's what he's known for. Mm-hmm. I, the one I liked the most was he did one for like the pitch meeting for Cats, the musical. Slash the movie. Um, uh-huh. it was, I, I love that. It. it was great. Because um, I have very uh, mixed yet strong feelings about that movie. Um, regardless, um, <laughs> he does he does a kind of a, a little parody on the idea of a recognition system on YouTube mm-hmm. where he watches mm-hmm. a video of him fixing a door once. And it was great. And mm-hmm. uh, then he's, he's like, cool, I'm going to go back to YouTube and watch more videos. He's like, cool, here are eight more videos about watching doors. Is that what you want to watch? <laughs> like, Sorry about fixing doors. It's like, no, I fixed my door. It's like, cool. Um, uh, door knobs? Door hinges? What door thing are you really into? You Somebody remixed doors. that door thing you watched. Like, do you, are you sure you want, like, you know, yeah. Exactly, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, recommendation engines that we have today aren't smart. They're mostly just kind of looking at, like, um, uh, in the terms, like, vector space. In terms, think of it like, you know, if you can make a giant um, mind map and have everything that's similar and closer together, um mm-hmm. You know, lots of door videos will be all in the same area. And it's like, cool. This person seems to love that area a lot, so let's show mm-hmm. it to them. Um, right. To understand all of what you really want, you have to have a better idea of who you are as a person, your mind map, your characteristics, mm-hmm. and from that, make mm-hmm. decisions. And that's a very human yeah. thing to do. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing that we, we put a lot of pride into doing. Um, but it does feel like um, we're increasingly enroaching upon these prideful pieces, pieces, pieces of territory. You know, mm-hmm. this idea of, like, this thing helping you choose items for a, um, a party, something you often mm-hmm. have to ask a friend, like, hey, what should I bring to the party? Mm-hmm. They're very complicated. You see, you'll see a lot of people feel, feel very strongly about this. Some people will mm-hmm. say it's almost like um, a sacred cow that you're slaughtering. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. immoral for you to, to cross that line and utilize this tool um, mm-hmm. the way that you would, you know, utilize, <laughs> sorry, utilize but um, request help from a friend. Um, mm-hmm. Let's not use our friends. It's not, it's not utilized. Um, <laughs> but but inherently, you know, you know, we are increasingly kind of butting up against that kind of um, discussion in in mm-hmm. our our lives. You know, there's the same thing happening in the world of of image models and creation, which we'll talk about probably in another episode. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's increasingly things that we are doing and outsourcing to um, you know AI um, that mm-hmm. um, make our lives easier by doing so. Uh, mm-hmm. But are we losing something from that? No, so that's mm-hmm. a spooky question and maybe right. something we can talk more about but before we do that let's get back into yeah. the search game yeah let's let's talk about that so yeah so, so this week yeah uh, yeah microsoft uh announced uh with bing um the the kind of vice president of search um yusuf Mehdi. uh he talked about like just search in general and how and how they're going to bring chat gpt into bing um and, and he shared some like really interesting insights uh one thing was uh, about 40 percent of the time when people are using search uh, they actually click back immediately when they click on a result. So that largely means people aren't really getting to the pages that they expect. Um, and 
you know, search is kind of the same. Like uh, there used to be this joke that like um, getting a bachelor's degree was getting a degree in like how to use Google <laughs> effectively, uh, <laughs> uh, which is kind of true. And, and honestly, like it hasn't really changed. Like that skill set is still pretty practical right now. Learning um, how to Google is, is the foundational skill for developers. Like mm-hmm. really, it really is. 100%. Um, and largely that's like a navigational and informational task. So so he talked about this model and, and I really like the model where um, in terms of like the, the three buckets that they that they put all queries into, one's navigation. So you're trying to like get to a web page or, or, or like, you know, find like, where do I submit this form? Um, the second is sort of like informational, like what's the weather today? Or, you know, what's today's stock price? Um, and, and, and there's a, you know, the, a lot of those, about half of those are covered um, today. Uh, but the more complicated ones, like, you know, can I fit this couch through a regular door? Or can I fit this couch in my car? Um, or in the back of my pickup? Like those sorts of questions, it really can't find the answer to unless you just get so lucky that you find like this great SEO'd blog post that just hits it just right. <laughs> but you, but you um, generally have to do that yourself. You find, you open mm-hmm. up four tabs. Cool, this mm-hmm. is the dimensions here. This is the dimension of my house. Here's some measuring. This is... Maybe it's some tip on how to like do it properly and to actually ne- like understand how to measure it right. Um, mm-hmm. And all of that, you can kind of amalgamate an answer from that. Exactly. And, and, and so that's this, like the second half of this informational search that, that doesn't work today. Um, and then the third is just like a bucket that they call like everything else. But like there are a lot of other things. Like um, when you do have 20 tabs open, it's because you're working through a, a, a deep search of something. Um, a lot of times when I'm, looking for things and I'm trying to understand something new. Um, maybe I'm like learning a new language or I'm trying to understand something um, that, that I don't have much experience with. I might look at multiple sources to be able to better understand that thing. Um, and to, to do that sort of deep research and deep understanding um, search doesn't help you there. You're kind of needing to do that manual process. So would there be like a better way um, to be able to serve these people? Um, and so that's, that's sort of what Bing's hoping to do by bringing ChatGPT into their, into their fold. Yeah. And this is, so just some more background about ChatGPT and Microsoft and the relationship. Um, so ChatGPT is made by a company called OpenAI. So OpenAI is a fascinating company. Um, you know, there's a lot of history there. I can have a whole podcast episode about them as a company uh, and maybe one about like other companies as well and their different motivations and different ideologies, because I think people don't realize how much, um, the companies behind these models have very strong ideological um, incentives for what they do. Um, open AIs are kind of written in their name. It's heart in the sleeve situation. Open um, is what they kind of proclaim. Although it's arguable how open they are compared to what people might want them to be. Um, they have been fundamentally much more open than many other companies, um, mostly Google, let's say. Um, who work on these these models? Google has been sharing papers about interesting, cool models and chatbots and Palm and and Lambda and 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 things before that and things after that, really that are fascinating, powerful things. But at, after at the end of every paper, at the end of every blog post, they have this little disclaimer saying this is really not safe for human consumption, basically um, for a variety of reasons, you know. And and we talk, we can't talk about them, and people have talked about them before, you know, biases, um, you know, incorrect information. Um, and just fundamental existential doom are all things you have to worry about with these models. Um, so yeah, I can appreciate that they're so, somewhat um, reticent and, and cautious here. But OpenAI is like, you know what? I think their ideology. And if you hear them, if you hear the CEO um, Sam Altman talk about this, who's he's interesting. He's um, 
his pedigree, quote unquote, is from uh, Y Combinator from California. Uh, he's uh, been doing other things as well. He's had other startups. He's working on something for Fusion right now. He's very excited about. Interesting guy, very much um, um, optimistic, let's say, about the future, as long as you can kind of like do cool things. He thinks he can make things better. Um, that's a simplification, but that's a, it's kind of a good vibe to describe him as. Um, so he really wanted to have these models in front of people so he can get um, people to interact with them, use them, learn from them, and also in turn, learn from people using them. You know, the same way we want to iterate on this podcast by getting it out there. Um, OpenAI has the same kind of ideology, get it out there and iterate. Um, so they're, they're this company who has this ideology, but they don't have a lot of money. Um, you know who has a lot of money? Microsoft has a lot of money. They do have as much talent. Microsoft has a lot of talent, a lot of technical talent, and they're working on their own AI stuff. But the concentration of talent in some place like OpenAI is quite high. So Microsoft, you know, being behind in a lot of different ways, um, uh, was like, you know what? We can just literally spend this money for something more useful and invest into OpenAI. Um, they recently, I think, I don't know if the numbers are made official, but rumors have already been talking about for a long time, invested originally about 1 billion a few years back into OpenAI, and more recently, it sounds like 10 billion. Um, and this is a very, like, there's a lot of clauses in this, this investment. It's not, it's kind of somewhat about ownership right now, but um, it seems like it's a temporary thing. If so this is a really interesting clause, a very unique one. It's like if OpenAI can make enough money in X amount of time, then they'll slowly pull back that ownership into themselves, essentially. Mm -hmm. Weird, weird, and uh, you know, I could, I could, I didn't, I didn't even know what to talk about in that regard. Mm -hmm. But long story short, they have a relationship. Yeah, and, and I mean, it helps to be the best in the world, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and to be like the best, the best setup. Um, they, they did an interview. Uh, Sam Altman and Kevin Scott um, both did an interview with Stuchakery. So Kevin Scott's uh, CTO of Microsoft, and mm -hmm. um, uh, basically, uh, Sam was basically saying how he brought them in effectively uh, and really kind of championed a lot of like that initial work. And, and they came in because uh, of the people like that they were working with. And one thing that they mentioned uh, during that interview was um, they talked about how uh, effectively, if Microsoft wants to do some stuff, um, like they need a model. That, that, that maybe is a bit more commercial uh, than what like OpenAI is tending to do. OpenAI is kind of willing to like, you know, work, work toward that, right? Um, yeah. And similarly, if OpenAI needs some extra resources to be able to, you know, accomplish something uh, for the sake of the research, you know, Microsoft's able to bend that way. So yeah, it, it seems to be forming this like pretty good partnership uh, yeah. between the two groups. It feels uh, symbiotic. It feels like they're both giving each other what they need. You know, OpenAI needs servers, they need compute, they need farms of these things to build the next generation of the models they're working on. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, Microsoft needs people, they need, they need insight, they need, um, they need this sort of like passion that comes out of a company like OpenAI. Um, and, mm -hmm. and those two meld together very well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, you, you can talk a lot of smack about any company in the world. Um, and I think that's increasingly easy to do because, well, crit critiquing people and criticizing people and, and finding the flaws and things is important but also i feel like we overindulge in that regard i just want to say something positive here like you know sincerely it's really impressive to see um companies like microsoft try to rethink us out the box they're really kind of taking risks here with their search mm -hmm. with, their, with their relationships really putting putting it out there because they they feel passionately about something and they think the risk is is you know worth worth it it's worth the eventual potential you know gain yeah it also goes into microsoft sort of like overall play uh that that they've sort of started realizing that they're doing is like, you know, I, I think everyone remembers, um, uh, Tash, oh gosh. Tasha, um, 
Tasha, Kobe? but uh, I was thinking of uh, who's CEO. Uh, oh, Steve Ballmer. Yeah. Ballmer. Yeah, yeah. And and kind of during that era, uh, Microsoft was very like, we are not only a platform, but like an entire like sort of like infrastructure stack. And like we run on Windows computers, you know, PCs. And, you know, the change after that um, was now like, hey, it makes sense. Like we, it doesn't it doesn't actually help us to like push out Apple. It doesn't help us like push out people like Linux, you know, like we need to be agnostic we are the best tool chain for being able to get work done right and so you know they're everywhere and ChatGPT kind of fits into this too because it's the ultimate integration um there's there's so many amazing things that you can kind of accomplish with that and you were just telling me about a couple uh like pretty cool uh features of of uh, what ChatGPT is actually kind of yeah becoming capable of let me let me show some quick examples let me throw some out there real quick Mm -hmm. before we get back into the search which i think is really interesting Mm -hmm. um so um, you'd be surprised how many things can be represented in text. And when you think about that deeply, you can really see the power that we can pull out of these models. Uh, a simple example, very simple example. Um, the one that's, simple, that's made the simplest is code. You know, code is text, right? Mm-hmm. And ChatGPT has been trained on a significant portion of code, a lot of it from GitHub. GitHub, aka recently purchased and owned by Microsoft. You can see how this relationship has been very much symbiotic. And because of this information, because of this data, we have things like Copilot, which is, you know, a precursor to, to ChatGPT, but it's a tool, it's like the autocomplete tool that increasingly more developers are using. And there's more competition in this world as well, too, where I write a couple of letters and my, co- my, my code um, window and I say, you know, uh, I want to make a new function. I want to call it, you know, add all numbers together. And it's like, oh, cool. Given by the context of the name and context of this file, uh, you probably want something that looks like this and fills the whole function out for me. That's really powerful, uh, fundamentally. And that's and that's just text that is um, utilizing the same technology as ChatGPT, language models, kind of telling me what I probably want next. And it's very it's very um, simple when you think of it that way. But um, let me give you another example. So uh, how often um, do people think about uh, graphs represented as text? Um, you know, or or another one is um, this is a term called in, in development, software development, but also I think other people use it as well. Uh, UMLs. Um, what does UML stand for? I forget. UML uh, stands for... Something markup language. Uh, Unified uh, modeling language. Modeling language. There we go. Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, there are markup languages like plant UML, which if you mm-hmm. know what markup is, markup is like, um, if you ever see in, in just pure text, you, the, there's something called markdown, which is a text markup language. Um, essentially, when you want to make a title, you just say um, hashtag title name. Uh, and in, in Markdown, it's like, cool, one hashtag, one hash is H1, or like the biggest title, two is H2. Uh, and like, you know, there's other like shorthands, you can do little characters. And from that, it's, it knows how to format it into a nice looking document with only a couple of characters from, from you. Pretty cool and increasingly popular to use. Um, in that same vein, there's more complicated mark um, markup languages. Uh, a plant UML is one right there where you can do the similar thing to create UML diagrams. Um, there's another one for, for graphs. There's another, there's other ones out there for other sorts of like, um, diagrams and visualizations that you can create. Um, and ChatGPT knows about all of them, <laughs> basically it's been fed <laughs> on all of them and documentation on all of them. It knows them quite well. Uh, and I, I, for a while I was, I was trying out certain things where I, I would see something like, you know, write me a poem and write me a nice poem. It's like, cool. Can you turn this poem into, um, a little mini React application for me. React is a, a front-end development language. And it's like, sure, no problem. 
here it is. It's written out some of the logic and it's like, I kind of nudged it, but like, here's the logic for the poem that you're talking about um, mm-hmm. in this way, written in a React app. It's like, mm-hmm. cool, can you, um, can you give me a little um, plant UML diagram describing the flow of this application? And sure, no problem. It gives me um, plant UML markup. I can just copy paste that right into um, a plant diagram, sorry, plant UML like renderer. And it's a little diagram that, that makes it for me. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a universal translator. I can also say, <laughs> turn that into Spanish for me or French, you know, and it's, it's decent at that, those things. And I want to just caution. It's not perfect at any of these things. Increasingly, you'll find the boundaries the more you play with it, where it's like incapable or it's, it's kind of less incapable, where it'll lie because it doesn't know. It's like that friend of yours who doesn't like to say, I don't know, <laughs> and will just <laughs> make something up <laughs> to, that sounds almost plausible. That's a really good, it's like, oh, th- you know what? That sounds like not correct, but I don't know enough to argue <laughs> with you on this. So I'm going to just let it slide. That's ChatGPT to a T. Um, mm-hmm. And this is the nature of the, of, of, of the, of the beast is how it's how they work. They, they, they're like the ultimate yes, man, um, mm-hmm. um, like improv artists, they, they hate saying they don't know how to do it. And this is a lot of what the training is being done <laughs> into these models. You might see in ChatGPT or instead of like the Google Bing, it's not Google Bing, <laughs> the Microsoft Bing uh, chat integration that it'll often say, Hmm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, it's like hedging as best. It could be this, it could be that. And that was really intentionally trained into it to, you know, kind of work around that, 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 that major flaw it has. Um, but, I, you know, going on forever, you can see it's really capable stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But what does it mean that you can combine that capability with the ability to search the internet? Um, what do you think it means, Ben? I mean, I think the biggest thing is really being able to make more complicated and, and, and comprehensive searches. Um, I, think, I think one thing that's, that's really challenging is finding good sources um, for complicated information. Uh, I mean, thinking like just thinking about, uh, the, the kind of work that, um, it takes to, you know, run a company, uh, even like a small startup or something like that, uh, and be able to, you know, understand sort of like what's changing day to day, uh, you know, in the, in the world, right? Like, Hey, uh, I have a grocery store. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of responsible for being able to like handle all these different logistics, you know, aspects of the store. Okay. You know, are cardboard prices going up or like, are yeah. there, you know, challenges with these different things? Are you know, am I actually paying, uh, you know, a good salary? Like, actually, I think, I think that's actually one of the, be- one of the best examples now that I think about it. Um, I-, I think a lot of people assume that business owners really understand like what a livable wage is. Uh, but it's, it's actually really challenging to understand that. Right. Um, it- it's not something that, a business owner has much insight into their yeah, they're probably, their business. Yeah. They're caring about like, you know, their, their gizmos and gadgets they are building and they're not really mm-hmm. thinking about, well, how do all the people I work with and who work on, you know, for me, um, you know, live their lives, mm-hmm. which I would, I would, I would say it's probably healthy for them to know those things and ask those questions, mm-hmm. but it's not an inherent expectation or requirement to become mm-hmm. a business um, owner. Right. But also, you know, okay. What, what is changing about, you know, uh, the, the lives of the people that you work with, right? Is there some way that I could get like a daily feed of information that's relevant to me too? I, I think that's like one of the coolest other things that we've talked about related to search is the idea of potentially having a AR integration mm. where I'm walking around and I can kind of like search for some of the things around me uh, that are related to 
you know, new people I've met or new interests that I have, like maybe I'm thinking about getting into like, you know, uh, wood carving and mm. I'm seeing a pretty table and I'm like, Oh, I wonder what kind of wood that's made of. Right. Um, those are kind of excellent questions for a, a more contextual model to be able to help me with. Absolutely. And I think increasingly we're seeing, um, and maybe this is getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but there's some really powerful stuff being made. And I've seen papers come out all the time on, on the next generation and maybe the next, next generation of models that are not just all text or all image, but a combination of both. Imagine something that can, and there's a really great paper that came out a little while ago. Um, I cannot remember the name of it. Um, maybe I'll, I'll give it to you later to put into mm -hmm. blog posts, Ben, where mm -hmm. um, a very a surprisingly small model, I think it was 770 million parameters, um, mm -hmm. um, outcompeted some much larger models at um, understanding the context of, of uh, a thing on a screen. Uh, there's a new test that was made specifically about um, being able to understand something that requires both text and images. And this really small model um, significantly outperformed anything that was um, just text. So something that was just mm -hmm. text, but huge, did a decent job at answering these questions on this benchmark. Um, like uh, some word puzzle and here's a picture. It's like, what is the, what's crunchy here and what's soft here? Um, this one is a cracker. This one is a cookie, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and with a picture, you have more context and you have better ability to answer that question. Without it, you can kind of guess and get it right a good amount of time, more than random. Um, and the one that can do both image and text understanding at the same time significantly outperforms just text ones that mm -hmm. are 10 times bigger than them. Um, so that really kind of told, tells you this power that comes from multimodality is a term you'll probably hear a lot in the future. You know, the ability to see the world in not just one dimension of just text or just images, but both. And then audio and then video and then things that we can't see, radar, mm -hmm. um, LIDAR, uh, uh you know, like the geometric information and the heat of the planet, um, the, the like meteorological information that we use to predict the weather. Um, mm -hmm. Eventually you'll probably see an increasing amount of amalgamated data being fed into these devices, being able to be parsed by these devices to be able to create quite new and unique experiences. Luckily mm -hmm. though, that's overwhelming for me. And we're just <laughs> kind of on one at a time right now for at least another couple yeah. of months at the very least. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But in the uh, future, it is, yeah. And it is insanely impressive. Like uh, I've seen entire like data intake teams, you know, at working at companies to be able to pull in data um, like finance companies, especially really care about getting uh, data. Like the, the craziest one was um, there, there was a, a price that was based on wind speed. So it was like the price of like this wind farm was based on the wind speed each day. And like, you actually needed to go out, understand the weather, understand what the wind speed was in this area of the world in order to be able to better understand like what the actual value of this stock or this, uh, you know, bond was uh, on a kind of day-to-day -day basis. And uh, I thought that was crazy. Uh, so, and, you know, and so there's this increasing need as we make these like more, you know, interconnected, more interesting, um, you know, uh, scenarios in the world for businesses to be able to actually like pull in these integrations and be able to use that, that kind of other data. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that there's so much that we just can't do right now because we, as human beings, don't have the capacity and ability to look at so many different disparate inputs of information and find those connections. And it seems like what we're making is fundamentally um, good at this. It's fundamentally made to do these things increasingly better, um, which is interesting and fascinating and um, like terrifying, but it's mm -hmm. just all so, so cool. Um, ah, okay, cool. I think I found that paper, by the way. Uh, oh, I nice. was looking at the background. Uh, it is, 
this is a link. It is called, I lied. <laughs> oh, here it is. <laughs> um, multimodal chain of thought reasoning in language models. Uh, and yeah, I think this is out of, uh, is it out of Facebook? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, it's a, mm -hmm. uh, some big company who made this. Um, mm -hmm. But it's a very interesting paper that talks about um, this, this like really huge improvement over the state of the art um, or like at least over like GTP, GPT 3.5 mm -hmm. um, at being able to understand and answer the benchmark is called the science QA benchmark. Um, mm -hmm. Really like a number here. Is, I, love, I love these numbers. Improvement on one um, metric from 75.17% to 91.68% accuracy mm -hmm. um, at answering these questions. Uh, yeah, which shows you like, you know, um, our benchmarks are, are often not enough. 91% <laughs> means that maybe one more or two more times it'll get to close to 100 and then 100% isn't good enough. We need to keep making them better if we need to have better benchmarks so we can mm -hmm. challenge them more and more and see how much better they can get. And we're veering that topic from search. I can feel this right now. Let's go back. So search. Mm -hmm. Search in the real world is the thing that we'll be doing with AR headsets. Well, search on the internet, what we're doing with being able to find dimensions and spaces for the things that we want to put in our houses and lives. Um, mm -hmm. Here's here's a thing I think is, is increasingly interesting. Um, I think that they're trying to integrate chat interfaces with search. Um, and what this means is basically uh, imagine um, talking back and forth to Google when you're looking for something you're, or like to Bing. Mm -hmm. something you say hey uh, you know um what what are what's what's cool and new what what's the what's a new I'm, I'm gonna go dancing with my friends this weekend um what cool dance parties are out there this weekend i was like oh cool it is a search and you'll see it it'll say right in the little messages i recommend people who are curious about this look up online mm -hmm. videos of, the, of, the, of the demos of it and people have access mm -hmm. to it right now if they're lucky mm -hmm. i don't um you have to do a lot you have to like give your firstborn to, to Microsoft to <laughs> access. Like, actually, it's like you have, to, you have to download the Microsoft Bing app. You have to um, make um, Microsoft Edge your default browser on your computer. Um, <laughs> and if you do something like that, you'll get in the wait list um, early to get access to this thing. Um, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Regardless, um, yeah, like you, you'd ask, you know, what's going on in Toronto? Like, what's, what are the dance parties? And it's like, cool, here's a list of dance parties in Toronto right now. And then you see a list. It's like, well, this is pretty eclectic. Um, it doesn't know what I like. I haven't told it. So like, oh, I kind of like more 90s, 2000s music, anything like along those lines. And you'll see you do more searches. I said, well, with that information, here are these lists of ones that are pretty interesting. It's like, cool. Well, I kind of live around this area. I don't want to go too far. Toronto's big. Um, anything around that area you think that would be good? Cool. No problem. Here are some options. So great. I, you know, I... I probably want to eat before I go, um, but nothing too heavy. I want to, you know, I want to keep lights before I go dancing for four hours to Mariah Carey. Oof. Um, you know, it's, and it's the context of, of that. It's like, yeah, I understand mm -hmm. what you're talking about. I know what you mean by that. Keep it light. I know what you mean by like, um, you know, near this area. I know what you mean by all of this. And I can give you mm -hmm. more pertinent and better answers. It's fundamentally a powerful thing that we're not used to thinking about. Mm -hmm. and, and this is the other thing that's, that's interesting about this change in dynamic search used to be good <laughs> search used to be, it used to actually kind of be in a good space. Like if you looked for light meals before dancing, you actually might get some interesting articles, maybe from like a local blog or from, you know, some, some kind of, you know, local publication that kind of talked about that in your area. 
now you really have a bunch of advertisers really pushing at the top. Yes. And then you've got a lot of people competing for these SEO spaces and these like niche spaces to be able to, to kind of fill in these gaps. And, uh, you know, the, the awesome. cost of actually distributing in those spaces is really cheap. Like once you have a blog, once it fills that space, you can just do it forever. Like there's no, there's, you know, until somebody else tries to kick you out or gets enough SEO to be able to kick you out, you're, you're pretty much there. So you just keep distributing this information forever. Uh, and now it's actually easier to do that because now like there are these chat GPT tools. There are these like, you know, generation tools that can generate text for you. They can generate these pages, you know, existing search is kind of dying uh, to, to a significant degree. Yeah, I think what we want out of our, our world is changing for a variety of reasons. I can get, I can I can philosophically wax and wane about this forever. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about you know um, the over inundation of information that we have in our lives, giving us all analysis paralysis, unable to kind of make a single decision in our lives because we don't know which of the twenty seven chains near us we should want to eat at, um, and you see all the menus right there next to you, and you see all the reviews for each of them. It's like I cannot. I'm going to go to McDonald's. <laughs> Across the street. <laughs> That's uh, like, uh, there, there's that episode of like the good life where it's like this, this alternate version of heaven. Uh, and, and at one point they're, they're trying to like tally up how, how good you were in life. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, they're talking about like all the food you've eaten and they're like, Oh, you didn't know this wasn't sustainably sourced. Like, how could you have eaten that? You know? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah. Everything's a choice. There's, there's constantly, a, you know, there's, we're inundated with decisions constantly. And it's overwhelming. Uh, and, and I think, I think search is only, um, it hasn't, made it better it's only made that worse uh, kind of by accident um but on purpose what i mean is that search is all about um giving you more information it's not about giving you necessarily the most concise answer to your question although you have seen we have seen that effort being done let's, let's talk about that there's a the knowledge graph and the knowledge um um uh, vault i think it was called originally that google has bing has something similar um and it's just this idea of like you type in like uh who is the president currently in the next america and you'll see a picture of um, Joe Biden, and you'll see some like his name, you see the start date, whatever, a little kind of square block. And it's like, cool. And that's part of the original thing that, um, um, what's his name, the the CEO or the the, the the chief whomever of search in, in Microsoft was talking about, there's different ways to search. That's one of them right mm -hmm. there. Quick Q&A um, responses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, that's, well, that's all well and good. Um, there's still so much out there in the world that we can't answer that way. Um, that requires multiple steps. That requires more insight. That requires a back and forth of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, these tools increasingly are kind of filling that niche. And you know, um, I want to talk about her. We'll talk about her at the end, after this little Ooh. spiel because I think yeah, I think yeah. it's fascinating. Um, so before before we get to hear her, I want to talk Ooh. a little bit more about like the the challenges here. So mm -hmm. like you know this this niche that we're trying to fill, this like chatbot we're trying to fill, this this back and mm -hmm. forth, this like answering thing that's trying to mm -hmm. you know help disseminate our lives and help us, you know, understand the complexity and over, over um, inundations that, that we feel in terms of information, simplify it and filter it and search through it and give you exactly what you need. Um, what there, there are limitations and problems that need to be resolved still. Um, this is interesting too. Um, it costs money whenever you want to use uh, ChatGPT. Um, I, I think I was reading that it costs um, OpenAI slash Microsoft something like, um, sub 10 cents, but more than one cent um, per mm -hmm. regular session with the user. About, I think it's just under one cent a query back and forth. And that's after some optimization already. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot of money. It's like, whatever, you know, a couple, I do like five searches a day. Uh, maybe let's say it's five cents. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Multiply that by um, one billion. 
um, you know, that's <laughs> 5 billion cents. Um, you know, that's, that's a lot of cents. Um, that's every day. Um, and who's, 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 who's um, paying for that? Uh, it's not just even who's paying for those searches. It's like, do you know how many machines and servers would have to be dedicated to be able to do that for you? Um, I think you'll see, you won't see a full rollout in search right away. There's a lot of work being done to optimize right now. Tons of interesting research being made to make smaller models that can handle the problem. In fact, um, ChatGPT isn't actually the model being used inside of Bing. Something else It's called Prometheus, I think. Um, mm -hmm. I, and I bet, you know, um, dollars to donuts, it's something, it's probably um, sub 5 billion, maybe 1 billion or less parameters. Because the smaller it is, the cheaper and faster it is to run it. Mm -hmm. uh, and they have been making a lot of improvements, making... Um, small models as good as older big models. That's a part of the process in here. But long story short, it still probably costs lots of money. Um, so until they can get money, the cost down to something neg negligible, you know, neg negligible and um, free for them or close enough to free that the cost of, or the ads that they show you in between are making up for it, um, then it's, it's going to be not mass marketed. It's not going to be everyone using it. It's not going to be mm -hmm. all 8 billion people on the planet having access um, but I don't think it'll take like that long. I think in a year or so, you probably get to the point in which it's close enough, especially with the incentive between Google and 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 and, and Microsoft. Um, but then you also have to get into improvements of accuracy. It still lies sometimes, and that's a scary one, you know, because mm -hmm. it's really good at lying. It'll take something mm -hmm. so sincerely and so truthfully, um, mm -hmm. and it'll be like, uh, uh, yeah, that's totally right. And you're like, are you sure? I, I don't think. I don't think we've been to the moon 27 times. Mm -hmm. I think it's been less than that. It's like, no, mm -hmm. no, here's the list of all 27 people who went to the moon. Mm -hmm. Here's their names. Here's their occupation. Mm -hmm. and here's the year it happened. Um, you're just, you're, you're wrong. And mm -hmm. you're like, all right, you're the, you're the expert. <laughs> you're the AI. I believe you. <laughs> right. um, but uh, yeah, be cautious. But, if you're using yeah, it, it, it can totally gaslight you. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, I've been, I've been struck by that. Uh, I, I did want to <laughs> circle back. One one last time to the death of search mm -hmm. before we ended to into her, which I think is a fantastic topic for us to end this on. Um, yeah. But uh, one thing, uh, you know, Google Google hasn't taken this lying down. Uh, they mm. did an announcement for Google Bard uh, very recently, um, to which uh, most of the audience has has kind of seen Google be very unprepared. Uh, one mm. of the uh, presenters uh, forgot a phone. Uh, for their presentation, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, and so it's it's very much felt like Microsoft has kind of caught them on their back foot uh, to a significant and, and they and they have they absolutely mm -hmm. have, mm -hmm. and you know they're the incumbents right like and and Google Google has been the incumbent before, um, but you know this is the first time that it's that it's really been. A big, a big, big challenge. I mean, I think before what they did was they really hit it with technology. So they, you know, they kind of upped their search game uh, by improving, you know, autocomplete features in search and being able to, you know, be able to give a give, you know, <laughs> answers to search as you type, uh, which is pretty wild. Um, but you know, they they've optimized the heck out of that machine. But you know, um, does that company still know how to build something new? And there's all this talk about like wartime CEOs versus peacetime CEOs. I think, mm. I think Horowitz kind of created that uh, or kind of publicized that uh, at some point. Um, you know, a CEO that's that's very much a peacetime CEO really knows how to use and leverage resources to be able to kind of scale something that's already good to be massive and huge. That's what Google's really done um, on top of search and, and ads and, and all that. 
they have been hit really hard by Apple's ATT, but aside from that, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, mostly been able to scale really well. Um, and then, you know, you really have like wartime CEOs um, who really see, hey, like we really need to, you know, buckle down. Everyone needs to be on board with the vision and the the, the focus. Otherwise, you're out. You know, you've got to yeah, be on, on the ship or out of the ship. You're uh, Napoleon. I think that, yeah, the best example yeah. of that, I think, is Reed Hastings at, at, mm. uh, at Netflix, um, who really like said, hey, streaming is the next thing. Cool. It's great that all of you guys are, are, are doing um, uh, the existing kind of DVD two-door uh, stuff, but we're going to, you know, cut you guys out of the new company. We're going to make a new company. And, you know, that vision is separate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, that's very much a wartime, wartime act. Google right now, I think everyone sort of thinks that they're very peacetime. Uh, yeah. And they are, and they are. And I think this it's reflected in so much of what they do. Um, everything from the papers they write and how you talk about them, um, they they tend to, and for those who don't know, they tend to probably have the best scores on those benchmarks we talked about earlier, those like science QA mm-hmm. benchmarks and the like. Mm-hmm. All the models behind the scenes that are number one, almost all of them, 90% of them are coming out of Google. They're they're doing the best research. They have the best machines for this. They have the best teams. They have they've had the longest focus on this. The Transformer paper that has built all of this stuff came out of their shop. However, they are very gun shy. They don't like to take unnecessary risk, increasingly so. Um, and this is, I think, something that really happened. I think, uh, I think you you point to it um, pretty well with um, you know the the wartime versus um, what's it called peacetime. Um, like CEO Senator Pitai, I'd say I'd say I don't want to badmouth him too much, but I'd say he's been a great peacetime CEO. He's the CEO of Google mm-hmm. right now, um, and you get this vibe that what, he, what made. Google happy with him as an organization and as all the all the investors and all the people on the chair and board um, who you know uh, he answers to in a sense um, is the fact that he's not afraid of like cutting his losses on things that risks that don't work out right away and mm-hmm. and like showing up those weaknesses and just kind of focusing on the strengths and focusing on like one or two things. Mm-hmm. If you could go back to the back in the day with you know Larry Page and Sergey Brin, the the you know the co-founders of of Google, they were they they were like complete nerds who love to take risks and do weird things all the time. Uh, it cost them a lot of money a lot of the time, but they also had a lot of money. So it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're the, one of the last stints was, you know, the <laughs> Google glass from that one, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, ironically seems to be increasingly relevant. If you hear rumors of, you know, Apple working on this stuff and Microsoft has HoloLens and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have Facebook and meta and, and all that stuff. Did you see the open like monocle? I saw I saw this recently. Like somebody's developing like an open source, open source. monocle, yeah. uh, Google Lens type thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, so like you know they took these weird risks in times that didn't make a lot of sense, but they're willing to do though that that, and they're less so now. And I think that was probably because their investors are like, no, we Google makes a lot of money. Let's keep making money. Let's not you know take any risks that are not going to pay out. I think not taking risks can get to the point in which it is its own risk. Um, and I think this is the situation that Google finds itself in. You know, they probably don't want to, you know, accidentally break their own search <laughs> bread and butter. You know, yeah, they could eat their own, um, you know, um, uh, like, like Ouroboros. They can eat their own tail if they're not careful um, and never actually make any more money. Just spin forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what they want. They want to grow. Um, mm-hmm. But I think they also need to, in this in this particular sense, cut their losses to some degree mm-hmm. and say, you know what, search is not going to be the way it is forever, not going to be the way it is right now forever. And we need to really think about what's going on next. And they, I think we'll see more um, in Google IO, which is April or May. So not too far away, a couple months away. Um, 
uh, Google I.O. 2023. Um, Google I.O. 2023 is uh, 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 May. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see um, what this turns into and, and, you know, like what they do. And I think it's going to be all AI, top to bottom, um, you know, head to tail, AI through and through. And a lot of it would be like the subtle AI, like they have in like their maps and they have inside their searches that are already kind of there. Slight improvements, like their lens stuff is actually, it's kind of cool how they improve those things slightly here and there, but they need to come big. They need to show everybody, hey, we hit all the best benchmarks. We are, we are the incumbent for a reason. We are the big guys for a reason. We are the people who, you know, swing the hardest and, and you know, get those home runs. If they don't, I think the investors are going to be like, excuse me, uh, we invested in this company. It's supposed to be this really cool, edgy company that does all this cool, interesting stuff. Who, why are you all so shy and nervous all the time? I want, I blame investors all the time. Top to bottom, it's all their fault. But um, <laughs> Always, you know, yeah. Yeah, of course. It's, it's yeah. going to be the case. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be a big war. There's also other small companies who are trying to come into the space as well, too. And search is finally getting to the point in which it's, it's actually being sh- sh- shooken up. And I think we're going to get the best kind of search soon. That ultimate search. Samantha. Samantha. Yes, indeed. Yeah, this is, her. this is where we started talking about her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so her her is this movie. It's a fantastic movie about a man who falls in love with an AI. Um, and it's from 10 years ago. I, I mean, look at the exact date. Yeah, look at the exact date. But, I'm Googling uh, this, by the way. Her... It, 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 it's a wildly influential movie. I, I mean, even for me, I, I really love... Uh, th- there's a... a there's a video game that he plays. I remember where he's got this like astronaut kind of flying around the world mm-hmm. and um, is playing and, and the game at the time looked so futuristic and it's so polished and just so amazing. Um, and now when I see a lot of games these days, I'm like, wow, that looks a lot like that game from <laughs> her. It's like, we're there, you know? And, and now AI is kind of there almost. Her came out, it, it was in film festivals in December 2013 and in theaters in for everybody else in January 2014. So almost a decade ago. Um, mm-hmm. It will be, I bet you there's going to be a, quite a few um, like fan watch parties um, over the next couple of next year or so of her mm-hmm. because it is increasingly relevant to the world we live in. It was uh, honestly, it was an Oracle must have you know, directed and written that movie because it, it really seems to be touching on lots of interesting topics that are relevant to us today. You know, the nature of, of um, there was this one scene in her, um, I won't spoil too much of this movie in case you haven't seen it, people, but you know, we're close to the 10 year mortuarium that I give movies before I just spoil the heck out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, th- where um, his AI assistant, who she talks to verbally and is voiced by, um, what's her name? Um, Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. fantastic choice. Um, mm-hmm. And um, basically she's nudging him to do things that he needs to do for his life. And uh, at one point he needs to go through his emails um, more or less. Uh, and she's like, Hey, I went through all the emails for you. I got rid of the ones that are stupid. I've, I've started the drafts for a bunch of ones that are relevant to you. And also I found this really interesting thing that was in there deeply that you didn't touch um, that you should have. And I'm going to actually, it's, it's for a little, little book you should be writing and I'm, I'm going to help you out. You know, I'm going to help you with the first draft. I'm going to amalgamate all those, those like poems and things, interesting things that you've written and put in that book for you. Um, and when I saw that, I was like, that's insanity. There's no way like in any, <laughs> in like a hundred years, something's going to do that. I wish, I wish something could do that. I feel like we're 
have to cuss with that right now. People are working on interesting, yeah. cool things that can go through your, your, your emails and answer questions that you ask about them. Uh, there's a really cool library called Langchain, L-A-N-G-C-H-I-A-I-N, increasingly pop- popular. It's a Python mm-hmm. library where people are building apps based off of language models. Mm-hmm. Really cool things. And they're building different connectors so they can hook up to your Gmail, hook up to your, your Google Drive, they can hook up to your Google Docs, they can hook up to your um, Confluence Docs, they can hook up to your Motion Docs, Notion rather. Uh, all, all the different kind of documents and just raw PDF files or HTML files, all kinds, it can connect to them and you can do some coding to kind of like amalgamate that information and create a good architecture. Um, but then you can make a chatbot you can talk to and say, hey, can you list off um, my 10 best emails or something like that? Who knows what, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. All right. So you're your 10 best emails, I think, in my opinion. Uh, and it was not for you. Um, and uh, well, that's silly. But uh, the overarching idea is that imagine something that can navigate through all the documentation that you have in your life, which is so much. I, I have so much documentation at work that I don't go through. I just refuse to. I'm not gonna go through Confluence, Google Docs, Notion, and look for this thing. I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna say, Ben, how do I do this thing? You know, you might know. Um, okay. Instead of asking Ben, I might ask- I, I will say this has a lot more to do with our work than it does with you know <laughs> the reality of documentation, but yes. <laughs> That's fair. Um, and Slack as well. Slack was, was like Slack, um, historical information in there. Mm-hmm. But there, there are um, connections for all these um, and storages of, of, of insight and, and value that can be used to create a chatbot. Um, mm-hmm. Langchain itself has docs, and they actually, for a fun project to show off the work, they made a, a, a chatbot that lets you talk to it about its docs. And then mm-hmm. um, it's like, uh, show, like, and they have, they just open source to show you how to do it. And, mm-hmm. and so you can be like, well, how do I, how do I connect this to um, like a website? So, well, you might use this connector or this and this and this. Here's the link to the actual page that talks about it. Have fun. And you can keep talking yeah. if you want to. The, the thing that. I want this immediately for is uh, I'm a big I'm a big Obsidian user or second brain sort of like mm-hmm. note taker. Um, and it's always hard to remember where relevant notes were or like what connections I should be making that I'm not. Um, and mind you, like some of the work of this is to like make those connections yourself. But um, it, it, it's, it's kind of amazing to see this sort of thing where it's like able to understand the context of like what you're making and then give you suggestions about improving it. Just really incredible. Absolutely. Um, um, tell me what you feel when you, when you think about the, the chatbot or the assistant, let's call it something different. Mm-hmm. I think we're going towards, we're going from search to mm-hmm. chat plus search to mm-hmm. personal assistance soon. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? What do you think about mm-hmm. um, what that should look like for you personally? What would you like that to be? Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting. Like the, the biggest pain points in, in, in kind of my life are the things that um, are, are, are kind of hard to automate. <laughs> uh, so, and, and, but you're yet deeply personal. So there are things that like you probably couldn't hire somebody for. Uh, for instance, I really like to go to sleep. I have, I have Philips Hue lights at home. Um, so they like dim slowly or, or can, you know, can be all sorts of different colors and brightnesses and things like that. Uh, so I really like to be able to like, as I'm going to sleep, have the lights dim. So like over 20 minutes, the lights slowly dim out. Mm-hmm. Um, I like having music playing like while that's going, I would love that if the music could dim too, that'd be great. Doesn't do that currently, but that, you know, 
insert feature request here, Apple Music. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, then I set an alarm to like stop my music to play at, at like 25 minutes so that I get a little bit like kind of, you know, that overlap of the light suddenly actually switching off and the music's still going. So I have some continuity. It doesn't wake me up. Um, and then, you know, and then, and then I kind of go to sleep. It, and there's all of that plus when do I get notifications? When am I setting these alarms? When am I available versus not available? A, a lot of that stuff is very personal. Hmm. It's, it's not something that I can easily automate either because it's not like I'm a robot. I don't, I don't necessarily have a fixed routine. Um, you know, if, you know, I need to be somewhere at a weird time or maybe work changes, uh, like tonight I'm going to have to put in a little bit of time, uh, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, Hey, uh, you know, this doesn't work anymore. <laughs> this, this, you know, beautiful system that I've developed using all these timers and stuff, uh, suddenly falls apart because I, I don't have a button that has like go and it just all happens. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to do that even, but like, even that doesn't have the context. So, so I think that's the, the, the place I'd like to have an assistant. I think that's something you'll see soon. I think you'll see, um, I think what we'll see soon is people creating really interesting and powerful, um, like uh, connections that are, that are entirely language based, like, you know, natural language mm-hmm. speaking that are like the Google systems and your, and your, you know, um, what's Amazon's, the Amazon echoes, uh, Alexa, uh, Alexa. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like all, all of these different tools are, are they're, mm-hmm. they're natural language esque or adjacent, mm-hmm. but they don't use, if people are curious, they don't use the language models we're talking about. They use a very different system. They basically just parse text and then they kind of match that text to appropriate um, actions it can fire that are a pre-listed set of actions, and it'll do those. Um, mm-hmm. Increasingly, people are working on, and we've seen papers that do this, uh, are really fascinating, um, models that can figure things out on the fly, uh, zero shot, you might call it, or one shot, where they don't need to have a lot of instruction or like guidance. They just kind of figure it out. You say, hey, can you can you dim the lights? I'm working late tonight. Can you um, dim the lights for me? And I said some like, nice soothing music for me when I go to bed. Uh, I'll let you know when that is. Um, or eventually maybe it has, a, it has a camera and it's, it can see when you go to bed too, or who knows what. Mm-hmm. Or it can kind of tell why you're typing, stopping for a long enough time, or who knows, something like that. But you, you just talk to it and say, hey, okay, all right, I'm going to bed now. Is it cool? Play some nice soothing music for you. Good night, Ben. Um, and it like knows to dim the lights slowly for you over a half an hour. It just knows. You don't have to tell it to do this. It can mm-hmm. go into all the, the home, the smart home APIs that you have, which are increasingly being um, opened up. Um, mm-hmm. And your you know, your music account, which has access to, it'll mm-hmm. choose the right song for you, it'll ch- choose that, um, you know, the light, right light color for you, and it'll just slowly dim it, and then done. Perfect. Yeah. And if it wasn't perfect, you just tell it. That was great, but the music was a little bit too metal for me. Um, <laughs> next time, a little more, a little more folksy. Uh, next time, <laughs> I'm going to hear an acoustic guitar, not electric. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I think also being able to handle other things like, um, say, I think I was reading a New York Times article or something like that, that, that basically said, like, if you're trying to sleep for 20 minutes or more, you should just get up because mm. it's actually it's actually stressful for you to mm. keep trying to sleep. You should just get up, go get a drink of water, uh, you know, stretch a little bit and then try again. Um, or, you know, do dishes or do some, you know, chores, something, to, mm-hmm. you know, that isn't too mind intensive uh, and then try again. And, and, you know, yeah, I already hit my, you know, sleep button. So <laughs> I have to go and hit it again. But like, now what should I do? And like, what is a good way to go back to sleep? And, and um, I maybe don't want to do the same routine when I'm in that situation too. So being able to have an AI that, that can sort of understand what situation you're in. 
maybe tell you it's, a better it's story. Really great. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like he's, Ben's having some troubles and it chimes in. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that we'll see not quite so soon, but eventually um, mm-hmm. more active um, agents. Right now, they're very much prompted by us, by our text mm-hmm. inputs. But um, it'd be great if they're prompted more by, you know, context of your situation. Uh, and they mm-hmm. see you putting around your place, unable to sleep. And and uh, a breathy, you know, Scarlett Johansson voice says to you, hey, Ben, do you want me to read you a bedtime story? <laughs> and I read you, like, your favorite paper of all time, but in a nice, sultry voice. <laughs> and as we see over oh, here, <laughs> the benchmarks <laughs> were well exceeded. <laughs> My favorite person on... on uh, uh what is that calm is like this guy named Eric Koss who talks about trains going through like Northern Canada. And I'm just like, yes. Like I just fall asleep instantly. <laughs> it's so good. And I would be like, yeah, get out of here. Scratch your hands and Eric Koss. Like I want this big <laughs> deep voice <laughs> telling oh, me to go to sleep. It's there's great. a fascinating new AI. I'll talk about some other time. Um, not, yeah. to, not today. We're almost done, but it's um, so I a lab called like 11 labs like that. Um, hmm. They had all this drama last week or week before because it's really, I don't know if you tried it, it's incredibly good. I'm just giving it text prompts and then reading it out for you in very natural um, language. And not just that, there's a lot of different voices, all kinds of interesting voices out of the box, but not just that, it's very easy to train it. It takes like ooh, like a minute of, of audio or less than that is all it needs of any yeah. voice. And it can yeah. make a very, very good version of that. It's, people have been using it with celebrity voices to do things that mm-hmm. those celebrities did not want them to do um, mm-hmm. or say. So... <laughs> Yeah, this is already a situation that we have to deal with. And I, I if you want Eric Koss, if you want Scarlett Johansson, um, <laughs> no problem. Increasingly <laughs> possible. That's fair. Um, ethics, ethics aside, uh, that's a powerful thing that we're kind of coming up mm-hmm. to right now. And when I think about what I want out of uh, my Scarlett Johansson bot, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, her <laughs> bot. <laughs> yeah. Often these things are also like anthropomorphized as women, which is a, it's its own can of worms. I don't want to get into too much. I, uh, you know, let's not get into that right now, but like, yeah, let's just say my bot the, 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 mm-hmm. that does my thing for me, that helps me out. Mm-hmm. I would love it if it helped um, organize my life and orient my life in a way that was pushing me. You know, like mm-hmm. it says, hey, Della, you have these things you really want to do. Um, mm-hmm. I, I put them in your calendar. Here it is right there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to turn off your goddamn internet browsing <laughs> abilities, um, except yeah. for, that one Google Doc, I'm going to open up for you to write your book in. That's it. You do anything else, mm-hmm. and I swear to God, I am turning <laughs> on a Roomba and having you eat your foot. Um, <laughs> or yeah, some yeah. other bread, you know? I, I, I want my Roomba to have a little sass, you know? A little, yeah, little yeah. Push. And it, I, think, I think we'll customize. Um, there's some really mm-hmm. interesting people who are working on open source versions, uh, not just monocles, but um, mm-hmm. chatbots and, and, and language models. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's, it's going to be a very tumultuous next few months, let alone yes. the next few years. Um, mm-hmm. in this topic. Yeah, absolutely. No, and this is great. This is, this is a good point to end on because uh, there's a lot of a lot of pieces ahead of us. Um, mm-hmm. There's even old books, uh, a lot of old references like her. Tons of stuff that we can get into that, that kind of puts us in context. So, um, yeah, it, we'll, we'll definitely have more to talk about uh, uh, in two weeks when we, when yeah. we chat again. Yeah, yeah I, 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 there'll be so much news. I bet you between now and then, <laughs> like <laughs> literally every couple of days, some dramatic thing happens. Indeed. Um, like since our yeah. last talk was the whole Bing and ChatGPT slash Google Bard thing. Then mm-hmm. there's like five other things that happened that were, that were interesting. But now I have to prioritize, you know, all the AI news in terms of most interesting. We'll see exactly. what in two weeks. Yeah, we'll, we'll be back then. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot, Della. All right. Thanks, all. Yep. Yeah.